My apologies if I sneeze a bit more this week. Mm. That's okay. Um, God, my allergies are kicking my ass. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, Apple held its big September event in Cupertino this week and announced three products. Well, not three exactly, but uh, three and a half, four, four and a half. It depends on how you look at it. It was a little underwhelming, I think. Yeah, I would say so. People were whelmed at times. There was a very splashy uh, carbon neutral climate change adjacent (laughs) promo video. Sketch? Um, Yeah, it was was a little sketch comedy like and it it was it was funny there was also a tearjerker at the beginning but in general it was the most infomercial that apple events have ever been and i want to talk about that because apple invited people to the event to watch an hour and a half long infomercial and then let them play with the products this is the new reality for apple's launch events and it's weird it's just weird we'll talk about that google pixel 8 continues to churn We'll talk a little bit about the G3. And finally, if you have one of Sony's adorable Ibo dogs, people will now be able to adopt them. Be a foster parent to these older dogs, which is so cute. I love it. Anyway, lots to talk about this week. Will, Ara, how are you doing? How are you, Ara? Yeah, you feeling better? I'm hanging in there. I'm hoping that today is the last of me feeling sore and fatigued so that way I can go to the party tomorrow. I know I'm past my contagious period, Mm. but I still haven't been. I haven't been outside since last Wednesday. Yeah, I think you've done what you needed to do. Hopefully you're still you're, you're not contagious. I mean, when I had covid, I was testing positive for two weeks after my initial. Yeah. Diagnosis. And I still felt it. And then when I got better, I had a cough for like a month and a half. So when I had it in March, I was basically over it after like six days. I was like, I feel completely normal. And I was like, I'm going to retest because I think I might be done with this. And it was it was the faintest positive line. And I was like, God yeah. damn it. OK, I'm still inside. Well, no, because they said that your contagious window is the first five days. I, th- of- this might have been day five. This might have been me like trying to oh. get out of it early. It was by like Wednesday. And I think I tested on Friday. So well, at this point, yeah. I think it's like day 10. Yeah, you've so. been through it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Really hoping that it's over soon so I can get back to actually being productive and getting a reasonable amount of work done in a day. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. For all sorry, of us. sorry, boss. <laughs> Daniel's so, like, yeah, I guess as your boss, I would I have to say yes to that. I mean, like, not exactly podcast conversation. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'll take it. Let's turn so, this into a production meeting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's pitch meeting. Give me your 10 best ideas. All right. So, obviously, the big story this week was Apple's event. Starts out, I think, in a place where Apple always tends to start at, which is like self promotion. This one in particular was strange to me because it was a like a super reel of people who have been saved by Apple's emergency features on their Apple Watch and iPhones, right? So people who had been diagnosed with like tachycardia or had other cardiovascular issues, elevated heart rates, their Apple Watch alerts them. 
they make it in time to go to the hospital and their lives are saved. This is a group of people all celebrating their birthday and the TLDR is that if it wasn't for Apple and the iPhone or the Apple Watch, they probably wouldn't have been here for this birthday. And I'll be honest, like it got me. Everybody has always said she's gonna be somebody really great when she grows up. I believe that. We're so glad you're here with us. Yeah. I know. We're so glad. We love you so much. It hooked me. I was in it. And then after I took a step back and I realized what it was, I kind of felt a little angry at this because obviously Apple's products are not cheap and this is a privilege. And it's great that these features are saving lives, but an Apple Watch still costs two to four hundred dollars and an iphone is a thousand dollars or you know five to a thousand dollars and i just i don't know i found it weird can i I, found this yeah so uh, this is not the first time they've done this approach this might be the fourth or fifth time they've done the my apple watch saved my life thing in their recent press events like they've really been hammering this i think this was the most the one that was most trying to go for like the emotional jugular right totally and it worked. It it didn't work for me. It, no, they've it done it too many times now, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I I'm sorry, guys, but like, it's not it's not playing for me anymore. I've seen it too many times. Like, I know this is. That's the other thing is like starting out with it. I was like, mm, yeah, I'm not ready for this yet. Like, I'm in ad brain right now. You have to like win me over first. Like, r- versus, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're right because like your hackles were up yeah, from the very exactly. beginning because you knew what was coming. They usually put it like. 30 minutes in and I'm like, oh, what's this emotional story doing in my ad? But then I'm mm-hmm. at the start. I'm like, yeah, I've seen emotional ads before. Like I've watched the Super Bowl. Like, right. You, you've seen yeah. that like puppy limping home and exactly. The, the, and the, the owner like crying in relief and then opening up a Budweiser. Like we've all been there. <laughs> and that's why I'm drinking a Budweiser right now at 916 <laughs> in the morning on a Thursday. Oh, God bless America. <laughs> so. Yeah. After that, it was Tim Cook coming out saying everybody loves all of our recent products. The MacBook Pro 15 or MacBook Air 15 inch MKBHD called it the best 15 inch laptop. And everybody on YouTube was like, we're recognized. Amazing. (laughs) Not not at all to say that it was not an amazing moment for like the YouTube community, which it is. And, you know, also they quoted Tom's guide as a former like I just I can't. I love I love my former Tom, uh, you know, future co-workers but like it was just a weird like yeah. tom's guide and mkbhd were like the two that they pointed out yeah anyway whatever all good and then it was the apple watch series 9 so let's dive into that first i think from what i can tell the big two changes here are the s9 sip which is just the first time since like 2019 that they've meaningfully upgraded the silicon in the apple watch and the double tap gesture that this SIP allows. The screen's a little brighter. There's new colors. They got rid of the leather watch bands, which we'll talk about later. We'll get there, yeah. But ultimately, like this is a pretty iterative update, I would say. What was your thought on the way that they presented this? Because... You know, they did spend a lot of time, too much time, I think, talking about this double tap gesture, largely because I think they didn't have a lot else to say about it. I understand that any expansion of 
UI functionality on something with that small of a screen and that few buttons is something to be celebrated. But at the same time, I'm like, it's a UI gesture that you're maybe going to use like half the time. I wish they would have talked a little bit more about upgraded, like more about the, any upgraded health features. I would have preferred that they spend a little bit more time on like the display because the 2000 nit brightness, I'm like, oh, cool. It matches they, the Galaxy Watch. It matches the yeah. Galaxy Watch. Um, but because they're using LTPO, it also gets down to one nit of brightness. Yes. And Samsung didn't do that. And Samsung needs to do that here. next year. Like, I'll pay an extra hundred bucks if I can have a watch that won't blind me when I'm checking it at, like, 2.30 in the morning and realizing I should have stopped writing an hour and a half ago. Uh, some of the, I mean, maybe not, like, hardware-level stuff, but, like, there is watch OS, oh, God, I'm going to screw this up, 10. Yeah, it is 10 with the Series 9, right? Watch OS 10 is a big enough change that I think, and they'd already highlighted that I think they were, like, well, we'll just present the hardware now, you know, and like we've already they did show a little bit of watchOS 10 again. But I think I think the combination of those two things, right, of like the hardware is basically the same, but with a new processor and like the biggest OS change since they launched it basically is like it's a good upgrade, although it won't convince a lot of, you know, anyone with like a, a series six, seven or eight, like would never want to buy this. Right. Like you shouldn't at least. But yeah, I don't know. I to me, it's like every year we get these rumors of like, oh, Apple's redesigning the watch. You know, the the flat edge design kind of kind of became the ultra, although not really. Like, like those original <laughs> renders from like forever ago of the watch matching the like look of the pics or the the iPhone. Look of the iPhone. Yeah, that never happened. And like every year, I feel like you know when we're ten months out, it's like ah, new look, and then when we're six months out, it's like ah. Just kidding. JK. It's the same. Mm. It's the same thing. And right now, the rumor is, oh, well, they're saving it for the, the 10. The, you know, they want to do it with the Series 10 because, you know, they, they got it. It's 10, eight, 10 years. Can people just admit that Apple has to have iterative years just like the rest of us like this? And yeah. the brighter screen and the newer and the newer silicon. So it could be like slightly faster and slightly better. That's enough of a hardware upgrade to where you can call this a useful improvement over its yeah. predecessor yeah. even though it's one of those things of it's so functionally the same that anybody with a reason watch isn't going to want it but at the same time like i apple sticking to what works and in the last year and a half that we've had for tech i can't fault them for doing that sure it, it it's also just what do you want the watch to look like? I thought that flat edge design that leaked forever ago and wasn't real looked terrible. Well, like, and again, anything with a hard edge is going to be, yeah. it's going to catch on more things. Right. I don't want that. Ed yeah. Like, we know this very well from the Galaxy Watch because it has the edges on the top and the sides. If it has an edge, it's going to catch instead of like skimming off it the way like Pixel Watch and the Apple Watch do. Not to say that I don't love my Galaxy Watch 6, because I do. The only thing is, like, if people were like, well, I want it to be round. But so much of watch OS, obviously, is designed around Apple the idea. Apple isn't going to go around. Right. Like, well, the other thing is they, they own, there's no square Android watches left, right? They own this shape. Why would they abandon it? So, like, I don't know what people want from the design of it. It is what it is. You either like it or you hate it. To me, it, it looks more like a fitness tracker than a watch, but, like, that has not stopped it from being the smartwatch that I see the most on the street, obviously. So, you know, it's it's the same as AirPods, yeah. right? You may not like the design, exactly. but it's identifiable. Exactly. It's at this point iconic. And for better or worse, it is the smartwatch that people think. And and what's interesting is 
the Apple Watch looks like a smartwatch. You're not going to mistake it for a regular analog watch, whereas most Android watches are round and from far away when their screen's off may be mistaken for an analog watch. And it's interesting that the Apple Watch has leaned into that separation. Well, it gives them a distinct style and the rectangular form factor, it does make it easier to see text. It does make it easier to show more on the screen. But also because of the rectangular design and their Apple Watch band, I think it looks cleaner in a way. But also it just, it makes it just such an, I, like you can instantly tell an Apple Watch at first glance. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's Apple not trying to adhere to legacy. It's trying to create its own legacy. It doesn't have to. This legacy. is the only real watch that Apple iPhone users can use. This is another lock-in thing. It's not the only app. It's, it's not, not the only smartwatch like, that Apple well, users I mean, can use. At this level, Garmin, I guess. At this level, they can use they can use anything. They can use the wear, many Wear OS watches. They'll never get a good experience. Right. That, that's from it. I think that's what Ari is saying is the one that like would provide an experience similar to what you would get from a Wear OS watch on on Android. Like it's it, there is not a serious watch. Competitor. But what I'm saying is that if the Apple Watch was like but ugly. Yeah. And like someone I mean, right now listening to this is saying it is. They're driving in, in their car absolutely. and they're shouting, I mean, it is ugly, guys. It. Like, I don't we think hear it, you. I don't yeah. think it's, it's not, I don't think it looks great. No. I, I would far prefer a Pixel Watch style yeah. design. But there are very many practical reasons why Apple designed the, the screen and, and, and shaped it this way. The aforementioned screen shape allowing for closer edge to edge text is the primary reason there. So if you remember, like the LG G Watch was like a full-on square. Yeah. And that was awful. That was just an <laughs> ugly <not> design. <laughs> you could read all the text you want. You could browse web pages on that thing. But no, you don't want that. It's just ugly. So this, I think, was, was a good compromise for Apple. But it's interesting to see that basically every other smartwatch manufacturer has gone back to that round design because it has that analog legacy and because it is distinctly not an Apple Watch. Except for like Oppo and all those Chinese manufacturers trying to sell Apple Watch-like products in China to Chinese people, which is totally fine and like that's its own market. But I think that's very clearly those companies ripping off Apple on purpose and selling it at a massive discount compared to the actual Apple Watch. Not to call them out, but also the the Fitbit sense too <laughs> kind of just looks like an Apple Watch. Fair, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it still looks very distinct. Yeah, it's a rounded square. I'm looking at it right now. It, it looks Apple Watch. It's just so like. wide. Yeah, it's 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 different in person, but the the images online like like really look like a I don't know. I guess you can only do a square so so differently. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's wait uh, before we move on. on. Uh, I do want to say one final thing is that. And that is that we're still not getting third-party watch faces on the Apple Watch, and that's kind of bullshit in 2023. Doesn't matter. They've got Snoopy. I've said this. They've got Snoopy. It doesn't matter. It's the only watch face you need. Two more things about the Apple Watch Series 9, which I think are actually quite significant. On-device Siri, right? This came to Android watches a while back, you know, on-device processing with Google Assistant. This is now on the Apple Watch Series 9 because. The SOC has dedicated machine learning, uh, like a much more powerful machine learning coprocessor, means that you can talk to Siri more 
effectively without it failing all the time, which it does on the Apple Watch right now. It also means that it's more private because it's not being sent up to the cloud and processed. Because of that, Siri can now access health data. So you'll be able to say like, track my period and it'll go into Apple Health and it'll just communicate directly with your phone, which is also a good step. Just the fact that you're processing on device now is massive because Siri is the only place, or Apple Watch is the only place I ever use Siri when I'm wearing an Apple mm. Watch. And yeah, it's it's garbage it's, at the moment. It's so bad. <laughs> and then lastly, there's a new second generation ultra wideband chip, which allows you to go three times the distance to find your iPhone and other things with, with more precision. That's great, but the Find My Network is garbage. When you're close to something and you have an ultra wideband chip, it works well. But in general, the Find My Network is terrible. Like when I have a pair of AirPods in my pocket, and I leave the house with them, <laughs> half the time it tells me that I left my AirPods at home. Oh, I so I've been using an Apple Watch to track my runs this summer because I, I think they kind of do the best run tracking uh, or fitness tracking in general, honestly. And so I, but I don't bring anything, I just download stuff onto the watch to listen to and I don't bring anything on the run. And I usually do the same direction, right? Or like, like at least I start the same way if I eventually fork off. And there was a spot on the trail I'm running on Every like I hit it, and every single time it tells me that I've left my backpack at home because my backpack has an air tag in it, and it's so funny. It's like the exact same spot every single time, and I'm like, "Yeah, thanks, guys. I know." <laughs> at least it's consistent. It's consistently bad, which is something you know you can you, you can you can give it some props for that. Okay, Apple Watch Ultra Two. The only thing I'll say to that is it's not called the Apple Watch Ultra Series Two. I don't know. It's it's weird. They're diverging. It's basically the same thing. Brighter screen, yeah. S9. That's all we got to say about it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the iPhones. So four iPhones, as expected, iPhone 15 and 15 Plus are basically the iPhone 14 Pro, but without the high refresh rate display. And there are colors, and they also lack the telephoto lens. Other than that, it's basically the same thing. You have the dynamic island, you have a brighter display, you have a 16 bionic, you have slightly updated design where the corners are a little bit rounded, which is really nice. 48 megapixel primary camera sensor taken from the iPhone 14 series. Am I missing anything there? I mean, I'm excited about Key 2, but Apple made that literally one line in their keynote and moved on, so. But it's, okay, so he, we'll talk about that later because it's technically, and, and I think you and I have diverged on this. I say chi, you say key, but I think it's, it's all I like good. that we've just, we've all had a conversation about this and like we've, we've said key and chi to each other and been like, just never acknowledged it until now. I think that's lovely. We just embrace all <laughs> religious and creeds here. I mean, isn't that how the pronunciations of the actual word vary? Like some people call it chi and some people call it key. Probably. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Oh, let's, let's, let's go with it. Hey, it's Editor Jules here. So I wanted to make sure that we had the right pronunciation for QI, which is the wireless power consortium standard for general charging at lower wattages. And it turns out that they have another wireless charging standard for kitchen appliances 
at much higher wattages, and it is spelled K-I, and it is pronounced. All you have to do is look for the key cordless kitchen logo and know that you're protected by the wireless power consortium's trusted industry-leading so, technology. Yes, we're talking about Qi 2 and Key, just for our reference here, but we're not actually talking about Key because we're not talking about kitchen appliances. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, Dynamic Island, new camera sensor, which now includes the 2X mode because it crops into the sensor, which is good. We'll talk more about the depth information portrait mode stuff with the Pro. And then obviously the big thing here is the USB-C. So the USB-C, we knew this was coming. We talked about it last week. As expected, the cheaper versions get USB 2, which means 480 megabit per second transfer rates. Just a fail in all respects, like no fast charging, no improved transfer speeds. It's literally just swapping out from Lightning to USB-C. I know we expected this, but when we saw it, I was like, come on. And I know it's because the A16 doesn't have a USB 3 controller built in. Apple did that on purpose, but still, it's it just feels it feels mandated. Like at least on the iPhone 15 Pro series, you get some benefit from switching to USB-C aside from the universal nature of it. But here it's just I don't know. It just feels like a throwaway personally. Finally, all of the iPhones, but including the iPhone 15, now supports AAA emergency roadside assistance using the satellite connection that they brought to the iPhone 14s last year. So that's interesting. I think it's great. And you get it free for two years. I want to talk about the 15, like the 15 and, the, and I guess the plus, but not really. Just like in general, the 15. I really feel like Apple has done enough at this point to differentiate the 15 from the Pro series that there's no longer a reason for them to not have a higher refresh rate display on this fucking $800 phone. Sorry, Jules. Let me yeah. get that clean so, you don't, so I don't swear. This phone. I completely agree. It I understand why it started that way. Like, I get it. But, like, I, I, I don't... It's $800. Like, you are not doing a whole lot of cost cutting here. It's trying to get you to spend $200 more. I think there is enough in the Pro at this point that the people who want it, whether it's the cameras or faster data transfer if they're like really nerdy or the action button which we can get to like just the design the titanium in general like i think there's enough to push people to the pro if they want it that it is genuinely like i can deal with the terrible usb 2.0 data transfers because to be honest like video i guess but i i never transfer stuff i very rarely transfer stuff off my phones in general all my photo samples are just uploaded to google photos and then i download them from there the way god intended exactly (laughs) but like i i think there's enough here where it's like yeah the 15 is probably fine except for the fact that like where like come on like at least like if they did 90 hertz, I'd be like, good. you know what? Sure. Good enough. Like, I, I, I have a harder time telling the difference between 90 and 120 than other people. Like, but I can I can sure tell the difference between 60 and 90. Um, um, it's just so stupid when you and I, I know the display quality overall is night and day between these two phones that I'm about to say. But like the fact that the $200 Galaxy A14 has a 90 hertz display is like, come like it's. 
it's just standard now. Like, this is stupid. Like, I, I just don't, I don't get how they can get away with charging $800 and, 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 and not include this one. What I, what I think is no longer a pro feature. It's a, it's a basic feature in a phone now. I think the second that the cheapest iPhones get high refresh rate. ProMotion, Daniel. Sorry. ProMotion. <laughs> that's, that's it, right? Like the entire industry has then adopted it because the $499 Pixel 7a has a 90 hertz display now. $400 Samsung phones have high refresh rate displays now. The A14, $200. Yeah. I looked it up when I was doing iPhone coverage because I was like, the A14 has, a, has, it's not 60 anymore. No. The fact that higher refresh rate displays have hit $200 smartphones. Again, I know the display quality is, is like the iPhone 15, put refresh rate aside, that display will be great. I'm not arguing, but I think at this point, I don't know. I think at this point to call a display great, it needs to be higher than 60 hertz. But it's a great display. It's a great display if you ignore it. I, I, I am arguing with myself here and I think I'm coming down to I would no longer call the iPhone 15 screen capital G great. I'd say it's good. I'd say it's a good panel. I would say that I would have a very difficult time going back to 60 hertz. Yes. Apple knows that most people who are upgrading to the 15 have never used a high refresh rate display. I I know. I know. They have the data. But it's still, it's just. They know who's upgrading to what. And once you go to 120 hertz on one of the pros, you can never go back. I have a 14 Pro Max and I'm like, most of the phones I review are huge. Samsung doesn't send me the, the small S23. They send me the Ultra. Like, wouldn't it be nice to have a small phone that I could set off to the side and just kind of look at sometimes? And I was like, maybe I'll replace my 14 Pro Max with, with a 15 Pro. But it would have to be a Pro because I can't go to the 15 even though it's cheaper and I don't need the best of the best, right? It's not a phone I'm using every day, but I can't do it. I can't be like, well, that's 60 hertz screen. I don't know. Like, I just... It's so frustrating because you're right. Like once you were on that 120 hertz display, it hurts to like look at a 60 hertz display, basically. Like and, and, and to a certain extent, there obviously there are still 60 hertz displays in my life. The monitor I'm staring at right now is a 60 hertz monitor. It doesn't really bother me, even though I have a my laptop screen is faster. Even my iPad is 60 hertz because I have an older air and like I notice it sometimes. But like the next iPad I get will have a 120 hertz display. but like. I'm not not using it because of this, but but there's something about like on a phone. I'm like, no, I need it to be faster. Like I need it to feel like smooth when I'm scrolling through stuff. I think it's because it's the main. I mean, other than when I'm at work, it's the main thing I'm interacting with. And so, you know, it's it's how I browse. It's how I read the Internet at night or whatever. If I'm catching up on. You know, uh, Buffalo Bills hot takes and how bad they are and all that. But it's not even something you notice. Yeah. It's something you don't notice. It's something you don't notice until it's not there. And then you're like, it's exactly. Not there. Like, yeah. it, you're, you don't need 120 hertz to scroll through Buffalo Bill scores and notice that they're terrible. You're, you're, we almost had it, man. <laughs> um, you realize it very quickly when it doesn't happen. And I, and I notice it when, like, in random places, like if my phone is running an app that forces the refresh rate down on a variable refresh rate screen. This weirdly happens like in my Audible app when I'm scrolling through a list of audiobooks. The Galaxy S23 Ultra will just like revert back to 60 hertz. Not sure why, but it's very noticeable. Like it's it's annoying. But again, like I think we're overthinking this. Most people who have 
are upgrading to this phone will not have ever used a high refresh rate screen. They may have seen one, but it's very different to hold it in your hand and use it every day and have your brain adjust to that fact. Let's move on to the pros. So this is where the big changes were, and I think this is worth spending some time on. Titanium, right? This is not a full titanium body. That would be too soft. But what they have is an aluminum frame with a titanium inflow, and they have not anodized it, but they basically have a coating around it because they wanted to add colors. But the reason that they can't anodize it effectively is why the colors this year are basically just all variations of gray. We have natural titanium, that blue one titanium, <laughs> which looks like gray, white titanium, and then black titanium. They showed, right as they mentioned colors, they were like talking about the color of titanium or whatever. They showed, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a little easier to tell if you look at the store page after the fact, but this image of the four phones all kind of at an angle. If you guys are in this Verge recap, it's in that article of all of them kind of lined up in a row. And it's like the white in the natural titanium look like virtually indistinguishable from each other. It's like that's not off unusual though. and more off white. I know, but it's so funny of like as they're like, yeah, the, the color of titanium, it's like, oh, so gray. Yeah, like, I was about to say, I, I looked at that image and at first I was like, did my screen go grayscale for a second? What the <laughs> hell? I think what's really interesting here is that Apple has made this decision to move away from stainless steel, which means I would assume all iPhone pros for the indefinite future are going to be titanium because they're lighter and they have a higher tensile strength. And as a result, we are now going to see even more muted colors on the pro line than ever before, which was already criticized for not having any flair. And there's you got to be serious. As you say, I'm sorry. As you said earlier, like there's such a huge technological gulf between the pro and the non-pro series that you're sort of stuck with this. Like, if you want color, you go with the cheaper phones, and then or if you case. want serious business, you go with the pros. I know, put most people put cases on them. You can make your cases as colorful as you want. It's just it's frustrating though. That they nothing are replaces now limiting actual quality color on the phone. Totally, exactly. I mean. At least last year, there was a purple, and previous years, there was a green, and I liked those colors. Oh, I enjoyed- those are the two colors I'm I had sure. of, of iPhones, yeah. yeah. I've had the, I've I'm the- sure those color. I'm sure a color will show up, but it won't show up until, like, February or March. Well, it's so hard to work with titanium in that way. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, they're, they're so limited like now because they can't anodize it the same way. Yeah. So it's going to be, versus, you know, the- pastel lineup of the regular iphone 15 because i mean these are these are just easter colors right here this is these these scream spring to me they're i wish they were a little more saturated i guess but they're they're not bad i i like the green i like i like the pink i mean but, um, product red just looks beautiful as always there's no product red wait this year. oh no i was th- i was thinking of the watches that's what i spent so much time on yesterday no, they'll do product right i mean i think Actually, most people they'll do, should... they'll do purple in february yeah. anyway just go, go for natural titanium because it looks really cool and it'll probably age well. But okay, the big changes, A17 Pro, so they're getting rid of the Bionic chip. I think Snazzy Labs, who did a video on the iPhone event said, and I think he's right, that they are calling this the Pro, 
because... I presume that the A17 Pro will strip out this USB 3 I.O. controller and perhaps even more components when it makes its way to the base model iPhone 16 next year as a rebranded A17 Bionic or something of that nature. Mark my words, it will happen. That'll just be the major distinction between USB-C on the cheaper and more expensive iPhones, which is probably right. Sorry, Quinn from Snazzy Labs. Regardless, this is a much faster chip, especially on the GPU side. They're calling this the biggest upgrade to the GPU that has ever been in an iPhone. I mean, hyperbole abounds in every Apple event, but that seems significant. Well, can I say they kind of put their money where their mouth Absolutely, is? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about like... that. Cause I want to, I want to get into like, they are actually following through with this. I genuinely was like, yeah, uh-huh, 20% faster, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, like, kind of prepping our, our announcement posts and, like, going along with it, and then genuinely stopped typing, and they were like, Games like Resident Evil Village and Resident Evil 4, once only available on consoles, can now be played on iPhone, thanks to A17 Pro. And RE4 remake to iPhone, and I was like, And Death wait, Stranding. what? And Death, yeah, and Death, and I was like, well, they kept layering on games. They said an Assassin's Creed and game Assassin's too, right? Creed, and was, Assassin's Creed Mirage. I was like, like wait, what? That's like, what is happening? I, I, and like, they flew, they should have spent like 20 minutes on this. They flew by it. And I was like, hold on. Like, that's like a big deal. Like, what are you guys, deal. like, what are you talking about? And, and like, you know what can't play RE4 Remake? The Nintendo Switch and probably the Switch too. It's honestly crazy that this is happening. I will say you'll want a controller for it because they put out a screenshot of the, <laughs> the virtual interface for RE4 Remake yesterday and it looks as convoluted as you'd imagine. But God, I, I, it's crazy. It's, it's genuinely like, oh, the iPhone is a Switch competitor now, like for real. Like I'm not, not, not because of Genshin Impact, but because of like Capcom's going to put Monster Hunter World 2 on this thing. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I, I love this for a couple of reasons, right? It dovetails nicely with the Macs and, and like Mac OS's push to port over Windows games and give us that translation layer, that emulation layer that allows developers to properly port games over to the Mac. But the Mac will never really be a gaming powerhouse because the market share is not there. So the iPhone having these games is a big deal especially because the infrastructure, the ecosystem around portable gaming controllers is massive now. You can get a backbone for $100 and turn your iPhone into a Switch. And obviously you can do that with Android, you can run cloud gaming. There are some excellent gaming experiences on Android. In fact, Qualcomm is putting all of its money into Android with its new SOCs. And, right, that we talked about a couple of weeks and ago. And that, yeah. that's a good thing. So yeah. let's bring RE4 to Android and, and see it there too. And maybe this will be the kind of AAA ARM gaming revolution that will bring AAA games to Android as well. But realistically, the GPU in whatever that Qualcomm SOC is that I, I don't even want to remember. Uh, G3X? G3X Gen 4. Look at that. Look at me. Good for you. I just don't think it's going to be in the same ballpark it might scale nicely because there'll be active cooling in some of these devices but realistically i mean the fact that you can put this into a fanless device is pretty special but also just apple makes the deals right apple gets companies like capcom to commit to porting over AAA titles and putting them on the app store 
for what is likely going to be $60. And that's just very difficult to see on Android. You're not going to see high sales of $60 games on Android. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Genuinely was like, I can't believe how fast they flew by it because I think it's maybe the, the like, like, I think in five years we'll be like, yeah, that was probably the biggest announcement of the event. Like, who cares about the iPhone 15 anymore? We've got the iPhone 20. But boy, remember when like the first console games came to iPhone that was like current gen, like just released that year console games came to iPhone. That's wild. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it's not like this is the first time, like first console games to like XCOM 2 is on Android. Like, I'm aware of this, but like, I don't know, it, it feels different with something like re4 remake yeah i mean I, I i think didn't they already commit to bringing death stranding to mac at at wwdc well yeah but like the mac stuff has never impressed me because i'm like cool it's guys like computer. the mac should, should be, be able, able to play to these this. games yeah exactly i'm like i'm like i'm not gonna give you props for bringing a pc game to a different pc like c- congratulations i guess uh, nailing these deals and trying to get big titles but like iPhone, totally, totally different. I will be impressed by what comes to the iPhone or the iPad for like years to come, probably, even though stuff like the Steam Deck exists and in theory, like, but again, like the Steam Deck has like a fan, like, you know, it is, it is impressive. So it's a very loud fan too. It can (laughs) be anyway. Okay. So that's happened. Then there's the updated camera. So we still have a 48 megapixel sensor but it's a bigger sensor all of the sensors on the iphone pro line this year got a bigger size which is great i think most interesting is the pro max gets a 5x telephoto and unlike the rumors this is not a periscope lens so it's a segmented prism lens which basically bounces light back and forth a bunch of times to improve the amount of light getting into the lens but it is not a traditional periscope the way that they've done it in a Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. Not clear if there are advantages or disadvantages to this yet because the light is being bounced around. I think it was like three or four times in that chamber before it gets captured. It's likely going to have the same effect. And from an engineering perspective, it takes up less space. That said, Apple still isn't bringing it to the smaller Pro which means that it is a larger size than the traditional optically stabilized 3x zoom lens. Yeah, the Pro is stuck at 3x, which is um, <laughs> kind of useless, if I'm being honest, as, as someone who's used a, a 14 Pro Max. Like, it's just not, it's, I just, it's not very good, but you know, whatever. So here's something I'm interested in, uh, your take on, Will. So not only are they doing the 5x telephoto, but... On both pros, you now have the choice of three default focal lengths. So the traditional wide is 24 millimeters. Then they have an option for a 28 millimeter, which is 1.2x, and then a 35 millimeter, which is 1.5x. Now, these are digital crops on the 48 megapixel sensor. So you're not actually getting more data. You're not changing lenses or not doing anything optically. But because of that larger sensor and the fact that you have 48 megapixels to work with, Apple feels like you can crop in a little bit without any meaningful degradation to quality. I'm wondering what your take is on this, because seeing the way iPhones have been picked up by the photography industry and 35 millimeter is sort of that sweet spot for most kind of street photography, does this appeal to you at all? 
Um, it's interesting that they're using this language, right? I feel like that's something that like most smartphones stay away from of like, well, we're not going to use lens lengths in our camera UI. We'll use multipliers or whatever. But the only other company that like really that I can think of that really pushes this kind of like, oh, this lens is this many, you know, is this millimeter, you know, whatever is uh, is like Sony. And, and obviously that's been like Sony's attempt with with their Xperia phones for years now is to try to capture that like diehard alpha fan base to varying levels of success i'm so curious how this ends up looking i guess like i think it'll look good i don't hate the main sensor in the 14 pro max to be honest like it's a weird choice but i think it is definitely a play to be like no like we are the serious camera company like we are your camera now like you probably don't have a dslr on you or a mirrorless camera on you if you're you know unless you're like weird (laughs) like i don't know like unless you're like one of us going to an event or whatever but like everyone shoots everything with their phone now. And so I think this is just maybe kind of catching up to the reality of like the camera for a lot of people is enough to convince them to go to the pro. They look at what's on the regular 15 and they're like, that's not enough lenses. That's not enough flexibility. And what I want from a camera, I'm going to buy the pro. And this is just another level of being like, you're not thinking about like buying, you know, a $2,500 camera, like we're, we are your camera. Yeah, I found it interesting that Fujifilm launched a medium format camera that cost $7,800 the same day that the <laughs> iPhone 15 series was announced. It just, I didn't know it just that. Got, yeah, I, it I like missed this news. Completely Weird, under the it got radar. buried. Um, but it does speak <laughs> to the God. fact that like companies, I mean, Polaroid just released the i2, which is a $600 instant camera with manual controls. Like the the market is very much still there. The, the Panasonic Absolutely. G... G5, G2 Mark V, I don't know, one of the new Panasonic uh, Micro Four Thirds cameras Mm -hmm. uh, was just announced. G9 II, that's what it was. My argument forever when talking about something like Sony's Xperia lineup is like, if you're really dying for manual controls, you should just buy a cheaper Android phone and then get an actual standalone camera, whether it's new or, or, you know, you buy something used where there are plenty of deals to be had and you'll probably end up spending about the same amount of money and get better photos. But like Apple has not reached that level of like we want you to to tweak every single control. You, you kind you can, you can right? You can, you can buy you Obscura. Can. You can buy Halide. Oh, like, of course, you can buy yeah, all those can, things. Yes. And like what I love is that every year the people behind these third party camera apps are like, okay, like we're excited to get the new hardware. We're going to make our apps completely supportive of the new APIs, and like they want to dive in and make this experience really good. And then we'll talk about the action button in a second because like Siri shortcuts kind of allows you to make the, a third party camera app your default for the first time ever, which is really neat. Like I, I, I think you, that cannot be overstated that if you don't want to use Apple's camera, because right now you can't change the lock screen shortcuts. So really the only way to get into an app quickly is to have it on your dock, but the action button makes it super easy. You hold down the button, and it just opens an app, right? This, I, I think, is really interesting. You talk about language, right? They're not saying 1.2x, 1.5x. They're saying 24, 28, 35 millimeter equivalent. They're also talking about the iPhone having, quote, seven lenses now, which is an absurd abuse of, <laughs> of language as well, because what they're basically saying is that the iPhone has, like, macro and ultra wide and 24 and 28 and 35 and 48 which is a 2x crop right. and then 
either a 77 mil or 120 mil, yeah, depending on yeah. the on the pro. Yeah. And it's like, mm, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see if I squint hard enough, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. Yeah. But not really. Well, you know who sold this, right? Let's just put it on the like the person describing all this at that time was their marketing chief. So like, you know, they know what they're they doing. They know and they're like, good. That's exactly like yeah. we we're talking about it right now. But what's interesting here is that the iPhone 14 was not a great camera. I'll just say it straight up. There were a lot of people, including me, that did not like taking photos with this camera. They did mm. something when they introduced the 48 megapixel sensor. They really messed up the processing. The processing is what is the issue on that phone. Yes. So there's a new smart HDR processing layer, whatever Apple's doing. And now they're actually capturing depth data alongside every photo you take so that if it detects a person or an animal, it will just create that segmentation and allow you, like in Google Photos or a Pixel, to edit the depth data later on. Now, this is straight up a Pixel feature, and we'll see how it works. But I like this because having to switch to a portrait mode of any sort sucks. I don't like it. It doesn't work all that well. All right, anything else on the iPhones? Uh, we should talk action button really quick. Yes. I also just want to say, and we don't have time to really get into this, but who's shooting portrait photos? I don't know. Email in if you're shooting Parents. portrait photos all the time. I, I guess, I guess. I just don't get it. I mean, I've just never been a huge fan of the portrait mode, so. Yeah, me either. Every every year, they're like, our portrait mode's better than ever. And I'm like, do you have statistics on who's used? Okay, all right. I, I don't take these photos, but sure. But I mean, I also... I have frizzy hair, so portrait mode has always just been crap for me. <laughs> Fair. And I don't really think the iPhone is really fixing that because uh, when we looked at the sample photos that they had on Tuesday, you could still see like, oh, and half yeah. of his hair is blurry. So it's not great. But for the action button, I love that this is another instance of, oh, Apple's coming in and doing a custom button right two or three years after Samsung gave up after only getting the Bixby button right by letting us guys I just wrote a piece on the, literally while we were recording my they piece never got up. the Bixby button right let's be clear no, they, here. they didn't I, I I cover this all go read my editorial obviously you two cannot or have not had the chance yet because it went up at like 20 minutes ago but yeah the history of the spare button on Android devices is long and I don't even have I don't even cover all of it because you can you can go back to you know, early Android devices and find them. But yeah, Samsung had that button and it took them two years to give you an option outside of and, and I under there were there were other remapping solutions, workarounds, hacks, but two years to give you an option between Bixby or off button doesn't do anything like crazy. Well, wait, no, I thought they gave you the option to disable it. It was that it took two years to That's remap I mean. it to another app. The first phone with it was the S8. You could not disable oh, it. They I'm... added that a couple months later. They made it so you could disable it. That's what I mean when I'm saying off. It was just a button that sat there and didn't do anything. I'm guessing a lot of people did that. And then it wasn't until the S10, I just wrote this, and now I'm trying to make sure I don't screw it up. The S10 that they were like, and here, which was two years later, here's the ability to remap it. And then six months later, here's the Note 10, the button's dead. Like it's, it's not there anymore. So so it was genuinely like they kind of finally gave people what they wanted. And then they were like, but also like, we're mad that we had to do this. We were taking the button away. Also Goodbye. recall the Note 10 had the power button on the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, it did. So 
that Note 10 was just interesting. Yeah. Although it did have the best, that copper color. Yeah, it was so by pretty. far the best color that, that's ever oh, been. Oh, the on Mystic the Bronze. Yeah. So good. I love that color. I miss it. Anyway, I'll have to play with it, I guess, right? To like try this. But like, based on what they showed on stage, I think Apple has basically nailed the spare button out of the gate. The idea that you can basically hook it up to anything. And because Apple hardware and software is tied so closely together because they make everything involved, right? Or like they're, they're involved in every step of it that like you can re- you can go down and do accessibility things with it, right? And it's like, this is what everyone would want the button to be. And I think they basically hit it out of the park on, on first try. Yeah, agreed. Although the UI is bananas and has no... It looks so weird. It's, it's like, it has no connection to traditional iOS design not at yet. all. Not it's yet. It's super skeuomorphic. It's so bizarre. Coming back. <laughs> iOS, so iOS, what are we at? Are we at 17, 16? What are we at? 17, yeah. It's yeah ba- I, it lo- does look like something you would like have to use in reality OS or whatever it's called. What I'm telling it, you, called next, Vision OS. next year, iOS 18, next year. They're bringing back Scott Forstall, who'll just like walk yeah. on stage. <laughs> Gen Z, I guess, has nostalgia for that YouTube, that old YouTube icon with the TV. Yeah. They're going to yeah. figure out a way to bring it back. I see that tweet like once a month. People are like, remember this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. That icon sucked. Anyway. I just got an email today from some like analyst firm saying Gen Z is coming of age and they're going to bring all of their dollars with them. And I'm like, geez, like if Gen Z is coming of age, I'm really old. Also, what money? (sighs) Fair. Fair (laughs) enough. Nobody has money right now. Um, Okay. So I think the, the last thing we'll say about the iPhone is that they got rid of the 128 gig SKU on the Pro Max, which means that it's now a $200 difference between the Pro and the Pro Max, but really there's no price increase. It just starts at 256, which that's fine. I think they should get rid of the 128 on the Pro anyway, because 256 should be the default. But a good upgrade overall, and I'm excited to try one when it's available, mostly for the camera and USB-C, but it will be nice to have no need for lightning anymore, except for the eight or nine products that Apple still sells that has lightning. Yeah, so. I, I should say I'm going to review uh, the Pro Max for the site. Um, please send all your hate mail to uh, Daniel. What's your email? We'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> um, um, no, but like, I, like, look forward to that. Like, I think it'll be an interesting thing to, to kind of review right before Pixel 8. And yeah, I don't know. I hope people appreciate that I, I try to bring that David Ruddock energy back to the site because I did always love his, uh, his iPhone reviews as much as people would flame him in the comments. And he loved those iPhone reviews. He sure We'll did. bring him back for the the iPhone review podcast. We'll see. If there we go. We'll see if he'll take our calls or if he's like a Sufi. I think he's in the woods and, now. I think yeah, he's just I'm in not, a cabin. I'm not sure woods. if he lives in a house anymore. <laughs> he's, he's in his Walden phase. Let's move on. We'll close out a little with a, a grab bag. So we've talked a little bit about the Tensor G3 and rumors of its performance and how it's supposed to be a little bit more power efficient and less burn your pockets hot. We are hoping that thanks to a new Samsung Foundry improvement, regardless of the the makeup of the cores, it'll just be a more efficient and, and less hot mess. Basically, this comes from Revegnus on X slash Twitter 
says the Tensor G3 is the first among Samsung Foundry smartphone chips to incorporate FOWLP packaging, which is expected to reduce heat generation and increase power efficiency for the G3. Which, as we all know, stands for uh, fan out wafer level packaging. I definitely didn't Google that while you were reading the tweet. Well, you, you Google so quickly. I highlighted the text and dragged it into a new tab. <laughs> Amazing. That's it. I mean, we don't know much more about the G3 at the moment, uh, except for the rumored core makeup. It's going to be what it is. If it's just a slight upgrade over the G2, it's not going to be good enough. The modem is expected to be the same as the G2, which again, not good enough, but we'll have to wait and review it when we get it. It is a brisk 58 as we record this, which is practically perfect uh it's weather. perfect pixel weather uh it, it is it is absolute and we are it is only going to get cooler as we head into october it was actually it'll probably be about this google weekend. knows this it's like absolutely. everybody in the northeast is is getting uh the, the leaves are falling yeah uh it's 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 raining a little bit more and yeah, we so can now release our pixel without i'm gonna crank my house temperature up to 95 degrees and just really see how that thing goes sitting in my apartment with the ac cranked because it is already 85 degrees outside and i think the high today is in the 90s that sounds bad i drank pumpkin spice coffee this morning and had a wonderful fall morning so that was i nice. miss being able Does to a wear a single boots? floridian own a pixel that's that's what i, I want see them in the if park you live in florida I see them in the parks. Do I see really? them at the grocery store. Well, that's because they the, in the parks, they're all from the Northeast. They all traveled there. <laughs> yeah, and then they're true. like, ow, why is my phone hurting? Yeah, my you're hands? in Orlando. You don't count. Most people who are in Orlando are not from Orlando. True. But we came to live here anyway. Mm. Okay. I, I, I love this story. Yeah. Can you just tell me more about this, Will? Because well, I'm, I'm, I'm Let Ara do it. I, I've talked. In, I'm looking at my waveform. I've talked enough. Today. All right, one, one second. Let me pull it back up. But, oh. It was a cute headline, and I looked at it, and I was like, this is adorable, but also kind of dumb that we need this, because being able to have foster parents for these robotic dogs means, essentially, that it's like, this is what we're calling it instead of refurbishment. I like that they're repurposing it to help out in areas where, yeah, traditional dogs would be nice, but also don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Uh, So the foster parent program will repurpose older IBOs for medical and nursing facilities. So like nursing homes where physical dogs might have a lot of issues, uh, where they might need more attention. They might uh, upset certain patients, but the robotic dog, it hypoallergenic in the truest form of the word. And, uh, well, and, this, and if you, if someone has dementia and they can't take care of an animal, yes. they, they will forget. Right. Yeah. So you can have an animal while also, you know, not having the responsibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll still die if you forget to charge it, but. Well, okay. But, like, but you can bring this, it back. You can, you can bring it back to yeah. life. Yeah, different yeah. version of death. <laughs> yeah, if, the, if a dementia patient forgets to charge the dog, the dog will eventually return. It's not. Yeah. Um, no, it's a cute idea. Like, obviously, it is refurbishing in the normal sense, but it is cute that Sony has. I don't know. I think I think it's like charming that Sony really like treats this entire thing as if they are real pets. And I, I think that's that's nice for people who need something like this. That's the gimmick. But also uh, it is kind of yeah. nice that it's like, oh, this was totally like a novelty, like toy like device. And we're repurposing it in a way to where it actually has a beneficial commercial use. Yeah. So what's interesting here is Sony was the reason that the IBO stopped working. Yeah. Sony shut down its cloud yeah. servers for servers. Sony discontinued support for its dog. And now it's saying 
And this is, this is the ultimate PR move. I mean, some intern had an idea that they can repurpose this and call it a foster program because dogs. And the Sony executive in the room was like, oh my God, that's genius. I'm going to take credit for this. And they're going to now refurbish them to some extent and bring them into medical facilities and nursing homes and, and schools. And that's great. I think this is a good thing. It's adorable. The IBO is adorable. But let's not forget, this is Sony abandoning the product that it released only six years or five years ago. So you're saying ago. Sony abandons its dogs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're monsters. So that's it. I mean, you can enjoy the story for what it is, but ultimately it is just a PR exercise. God, Jules is going to run that as the headline. I just realized I'm going to wake up on like Monday morning and see like the Android Please podcast says Sony abandons its dogs. Oh, on the no. Will endorses abandoning. <laughs> oh, <dog>. God. <laughs> Spay and neuter, folks. <laughs> Finally, in the last minute, because I know we have to go, yeah. we asked you last week to send emails about what launchers you're using and whether you use custom launchers. And we got responses, my friends. I was so gratified to see this. Everybody who uses a custom launcher and listens to this podcast really cares about those custom launchers. We got a mix. Most of them were Nova launchers. So some people were saying that they have used the Nova launcher since the beginning and that they've just kept on that habit even as they got new phones. Doesn't matter if it's a Pixel or a Samsung, they just use Nova. Most of them don't really have an issue with the gesture navigation. Some people say they do, but they just don't care. It's just worth it. Some people say that they've reverted back to three button navigation because of it, which I totally get, especially on a Samsung phone where it's still the default. Well, and Samsung has a thing where you can just swipe up from the bottom for the three buttons instead of having the actual bar. Yeah. A couple of people really went all in on some launchers that are, are not Nova and not the typical one. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerome, hey Jerome, said that uh, no, a smart launcher is what he's been using Good forever. Man. Yeah. And it's uh, for the customization and the self-organizing app drawer and that the devs are the most engaged, committed group he's ever seen, which I think is fair, right? If you're, this is what makes Android so great is that if you're committed to using an independent app, it's really about the developers and having them listen to your needs and upgrade. And then like the launcher community is like, that's where this conversation keeps happening, right? And why a big upgrade to Nova or Niagara or Smart Launcher like gets press, right? Um, a lot of people are saying that they do use Nova with their pixels because they can make it a lot like the Pixel Launcher, but just a little bit better, yeah. a little yeah. bit more it's customizable. Yeah, It's really easy to make anything look like a Pixel with Nova Launcher. Yeah. And some people have said Niagara because yeah. it's so, so different. Fast. It's so yes. wonderful. And so fast. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. I, I wish widgets worked a little bit. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say better, but, but since all of your widgets are at the top all the time, it means that you are essentially punished for widgets unless you stick them all in the folder because uh, any widget that you have is just going to shove all of your pinned apps down. Yeah, I, I agree. I wish you could just kind of put a widget at the bottom of the of your pinned exactly. list, maybe. I don't know how it would work with the, but yeah. Well, it, no, because cool. I mean, you yeah. scroll to the bottom and it'll stop. It won't immediately, it won't True. go into the, the actual drawer. True. 
Yeah, no, that's true. And then I guess when you when you scroll through the, the letters, it, it disappears anyway. So yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that would work. One through line through all of these emails, and there were a lot, were people saying that they hate the Pixel launcher. Like, if yeah. you own a Pixel, you do not... I mean, obviously, this is a segment of people who sent in emails about custom launchers, so we're not hearing about happy Pixel launcher owners on the other side. But a lot of people had complaints about just how static and boring and uncustomizable the pixel the launcher top is quarter of your screen is wasted on a widget that you cannot it get really rid of is. you can turn it off and it'll just be the time but it'll still be wasted space and for so many of us it's like that is simply unacceptable and you don't have enough grid sizes well, i think it's two things you will either love or hate it because or not maybe maybe love is even too strong but it's it's either out of your way it acts as a home screen right and like when i'm on a pixel that's kind of how i feel of like look i'm not a widget i'm not big on widgets like a shortcut to search is usually all I need, and I, it's there, right? It's at the bottom of the page. Otherwise, I have some app icons, and then I use the app drawer for everything else. And, like, I get it. Like, that is clean enough for me. Even when I'm reviewing them, they are still kind of utilities to me these days. And so, good enough. Or, but, like, the second, the second you want to change one thing about it, like, you want, you're like, I don't like that icon. Or, like, Ara said, like, I don't want the at-a-glance widget there. It's like, oh, this is like actually the most restrictive experience on Android right now. Like, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get it. So thank you so much for sending in your emails. This made my week seeing everybody so passionate about launchers. I'd love to hear what everybody thinks about the new iPhones, the new Apple Watches. Obviously, yeah. this is an Android podcast. We just spent an hour talking it about is? the iPhones. <laughs> it was. But, uh, you know, thanks for bearing with us. We are Obviously going to spend a lot of time talking about not iPhones over the next few weeks. So stick with us. If you haven't, you know, if you were turned off by this episode, I promise it's not going to be the norm. However, let us know what you think. Podcast at androidpolice.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Thank you, everybody, so much for sending in your emails. We really, really appreciate it. Ara, Will, thank you so much as usual. I hope you have a great day off tomorrow, Will. What are you I know. doing? I have a friend in town, an old college friend in town. So we are, we are, you know, long weekend uh, hanging out, um, you know, having a good time. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a nice weekend. Amazing. Enjoy it. Thank Ara, you. I hope you feel better. And I hope uh, by the next week, you're back to your productive self. Please, dear God. I want to be able to write coherently again. <laughs> uh, just summarize it all in chat GPT and it'll no. do it for you. There we go. Problem solved. No, it can't capture All right, my voice. that's it. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Go Bills. No. <laughs> <laughs>